0: Digital Free Thought Radio Hour At
1: First I was a Catholic girl loved the mass i watched the swirl of smoke from candles burning while Mary looked up yearning got confirmed and i confessed i really felt that i was blessed plus i love my uniform so did the boy who lived next door but something changed when i became of age and all those things i thought were
2: true someday i'd break the big tie. And welcome to Free Thought Forum. Uh, I'm sorry, Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Uh, Free Thought Forum is a TV show, and I get them mixed occasionally. Anyway, this is WOZO Radio 103.9 FM live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today is Wednesday. Uh, I guess it's May 9th at 7 p.m. So if that's not the date and time that you're listening to this, then you're listening to a rebroadcast or a podcast. But Since today we're live, uh, you're welcome to call in, talk to us at 865-333-5937, that's local, 333-5937. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour is a call-in talk radio show about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences, and conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faiths, God's holy books, and superstition. And on the phone with us today, we should have Wombat. Are you with us, Wombat?
0: Hey, I'm here, what's
2: up? Yeah, I hear you good.
0: Wombat's here. Yeah,
2: you're coming in well. So
0: awesome.
2: uh, if you forget the feeling that you're not the only well that you are, sorry, the only non believer in Knoxville, well you're just not. There are several you're atheists. Nope. No. Uh, there are several atheist, free-thinking, irrationalist groups that exist here in Knoxville, and we'll tell you how you can connect with them after the mid-show break. Also, did you know that there was an atheist call-in television show that I mentioned right here just a minute ago? And it's been on the air for about almost eight years now. Did you know that, one, Wombat?
0: Whoa! Yeah, I did, but like, here's my issue with it. If Thanos is going to destroy all of uh, half the people in the universe, uh-huh. why doesn't he just make twice as much reality? Wait. All reality. We're not talking about There's the show now, are we? The whole movie doesn't make no, any
2: it's sense. not a movie, it's a show, it's a TV show. It's Atheist's uh, Call-In TV Show. It's on uh, every Wednesday night. Matter of fact, it's on right now. If you've got Comcast, it will be on Comcast Channel 12. Or, uh, I think it's Charter Channel 192. And you can watch it from 6.30 to 7.30 every Wednesday night. But don't watch it, watch or listen to our TV, our radio show. Or record one or the other. Speaking of recording, uh, somebody has been recording the TV show and putting it on YouTube. So if you want to see some of those, you've got eight years to look at. Uh, go to okay. YouTube and look up Free Thought Forum Knoxville. And you'll have lots of hours of good viewing there. So what are we going to talk about tonight? There, Wombat.
0: Okay. So you don't want to talk about the reality stone. That's fine. That's fine. We can skip over to more important topics. I think it's an important thing to have good conversations with people, particularly about the things that they believe to be true. And when you're talking to someone, sometimes there's pitfalls that you can fall into that make your effort to try to convince them or get them to reconsider their position Mm -hmm. all the more harder. And some of these pitfalls that I want to talk about are ones that are really common, ones I've gone through very, very often when i started getting in the habit of talking to people about what they believe. And I want to illustrate some of them for you uh, throughout this show. Sure. Uh, what we're covering today is good. like getting lost in details, uh, shifting of the burden of the proof, and some other ones that I'm sure you'll have to offer as well. How about that?
2: Well, I'm ready. Let's go for it.
0: Okay, cool. Let's talk about the burden of proof first of all. Uh what do I mean by burden of proof? Are you familiar with that concept? Have you ever heard of that before? Well
2: certainly. If you make a claim, let me turn this air conditioner off a little loud. If you make a claim, especially a supernatural claim, then you have the burden of truth, per, uh, sorry, burden of proof. Let's say that you claim that you have a pet puppy at home. Well, then, okay. you know, if I decided that I didn't want to believe you, I didn't think you were honest, I didn't have a puppy at home, then I could call you on it and say, I don't believe you. And since you made the claim, you have the burden of proof to present some proof to carry your claim. In other words, you could show me a picture. You could take me to your house and show me the puppy. Uh, just you know, all that type of thing. But it certainly wouldn't be. Well, a hold
0: car. on, hold on. What if I said, well, listen, uh, can you prove that I don't have a puppy? Because if you don't, then I obviously have a puppy. I'm mm-hmm. right by default. Yeah. Have you ever heard of that before? Well,
2: I would probably just tell you to take a hike and walk away because I didn't. I don't have to believe it. <laughs> It's no skin on my nose if I don't believe it.
0: You know, that's something that we run into a lot when we're talking to apologists, Mm -hmm. particularly, you know, in the debate format or Mm -hmm. deists in general. It's called the shifting of the the burden of proof. Well, someone makes a claim and they expect you to prove them wrong. Right. And if you can't prove them wrong, they're right by default. Yeah. I was watching this video on YouTube this morning. Uh, It's about a guy who's doing these kind of street interviews that I was doing. Yeah. But he's not on the. Uh, free thinking side, or like the the side who wants to have a genuine conversation. He's an apologist. He's a Christian apologist. His name is Ray Comfort. Uh-huh. Uh, his position is basically Ray Ray Comfort. You all would, yeah. Are you familiar with him?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the oh, banana okay. man, okay. I
2: think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the, the banana is the atheist worst yeah. nightmare type of thing. He,
0: yeah, he is an Australian apologist, and mm-hmm. he has some. Pretty unfortunate tactics that yeah. he uses to try to convince well meaning people that he's correct. Mm-hmm. One of them is by presenting the burden of proof. A uh, typical format that he'll use is well, I believe that a God made the universe. Uh, Prove to me that that's not the case, or else a uh, God made the universe. It's pretty simple in that format. But it can be really meaningful when presented to you in a live situation where you may not necessarily have the awareness of what he's doing in his tactics. With talking to you. So another example that I would say is like, um, well, you know, science says evolution isn't actually even real. There's lots of scientists who say they aren't. Can you prove that that's not actually the case? And you can throw out evidence that you believe in evolution, but if it's not specifically aimed to contradict him, well, I'm sorry, you can start to, like, try to contradict this point by throwing out evidence that scientists do present,
3: uh-huh. then
0: you're already playing into his game, because now you're trying to defeat his argument, uh-huh. and if you fail to defeat his argument, it as if he starts off with the main position where he's right by default. Really, when someone says, evolution is not true, we have all these scientists to prove it, blah, 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 the question that you need to present to them is, well, how did you come to that conclusion? Mm-hmm. How did those scientists come to those conclusions? And are those, you know, methods that they use reliable? Right. If not, then why do we have any credence to believe it? You shouldn't try to tackle their, the shift of burden of proof. You shouldn't try to, have to present evidence to prove someone wrong. Right. Someone who claims something needs to present evidence that they are
2: right. Right. I've got uh, a pretty good meme at home whenever I come across that and someone says, you know, God is real, you have to prove that he doesn't exist. I usually post this meme and what it is is two people talking and the first one is a girl saying, I have, you know, God is real and the guy says prove it. And she says, I don't have to prove it, you know, uh, you have to prove he's not real. And the guy says, well, I do have proof. I have it written down at home. It's perfect in every way, and it irre- irrevocably proves that there is no God. She says, well, show me. He says, no, I don't have to show it to you. You have to prove I don't have it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, yeah, well, you That's, know, I, that's uh, what they're
2: doing, basically, you know.
0: It is the tactic of shifting the burden of proof because mm-hmm. it puts all the heavy work from the person who's denying the claim right. mm-hmm. and not the person who's presenting the claim, the claim which is itself, uh, right. it's not an honest tactic once you know it. Mm-hmm. There is a really great conversation with a friend of mine who's uh, a burgeoning street epistemologist. She had a She's in Finland, and she had a conversation with a friend who is a Christian apologist with in America. Mm-hmm. This is over Google Hangouts, and the apologist was throwing out an argument basically saying, um, well, what's your position as an atheist? And so uh, my friend who is an atheist was like, well, you know, I, I just don't seem to have enough, you know, evidence to believe that like, there is a God and I just don't know right now. So his position, well, I don't find that really convincing. It seems more convincing that a God did make the, the universe. It seems much more sense that a God did make the case. Why does your fact that you don't know whether uh, that you're uncertain about how the universe is made have any impact on God that exists? And I thought, man, this whole conversation is skewed. Like, He started off with the proposition that he believes in a god. Asked the atheist why he doesn't, why she doesn't believe in a god, and when she gave the reasoning, said, "Well, I'm not convinced that your disbelief discounts my faith." (laughs) But the real, the real nature of the question is the guy who's presenting a god needs to present evidence for his claim. Mm -hmm. And even if we can't, you know, even if we're still in belief and that's not satisfying to him, he's still the one with the proposition that he needs to support with evidence. And if without that, he's not right by default. Mm -hmm. There are really subtle ways to shift the burden of proof in a conversation. And what you the best way to do it, the best way to avoid a situation where you begin to adopt a burden that you shouldn't have to take on, yeah. is start with the position of, I don't know. I don't know is the basis of my atheism. I don't know if, well, I uh, because I don't know, I also don't believe. But like, right. for nothing, Bolt, um, I come to a position without any assumptions of what it actually is or what the matter actually is. And I'm waiting for information to convince me one way or the other. That's called a null hypothesis. It means I haven't picked a side yet. It could be one or the other, but I I don't know which one yet. So my position is I don't know, and I don't know is something that I could be very confident about because I'm aware of the things that I do know and the things that I don't know. And it's totally fine for me to say I don't know, and I'm waiting for good evidence to pick a side. When someone comes to me with uh, opposition, they have to support their claim with evidence, and if they don't do that. I can still say it, I don't know. And if I'm trying to discount what they're saying, I don't have to go to the opposite side. Right. I don't have to try to rebut their head mm-hmm. conversation head on. I can say, my position is I don't know, and I'm waiting for a good reason to get to your side. You haven't given me that yet. Yeah. So, well, therefore, my position is still, yeah. I don't
2: know. Another uh, portion of that is when we're talking about religions, you can say, I don't know, and then they'll say, well, you've got to obviously believe in God. And you say, well, your God, or Islamist God, or, uh, you know, um, the Jewish God. You know, which God are you talking about? Um, the, the Seventh-day Adventist God? You know, and... Uh, because all of them are coming to me as an atheist saying that their God is real. Why should I believe you? Why should I believe that, one, any gods exist? And, two, that if a, if a God doesn't, in fact, exist, that it's your God and not their God. You know, give me a good reason. And all they do is point at the book, you know, but all the other religions point at their books, too. So there's really no way to right. make your mind up. What you highlighted
0: read about it, that is perfect. So it's not only just like, which God are we talking about it? Also, what's the method that you use to get to that God, uh-huh. and is that a compelling reason that you can get to your God, or is that, that the people across the fence are doing the exact same thing? Like if you say, "Hey, my God is true because it makes me feel good and it improves my life," well, you know, if you, I, I could show you like forty Hindus or Mormons or Islamists or Jehovah Witnesses, who'd probably tell you the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Is your reason any more valid than theirs? And if not, and if why is yours giving credence to your God specifically? when other people can use the exact same methodology mm-hmm. and arrive at completely different, fundamentally different gods.
2: Right, and or, not even gods. I mean, you could go to an, an insane asylum and walk around to the inmates there, find the ones that are supremely happy, and ask them what makes them happy, and they could say, you know, the, the fairies that are playing around me right now. Or the gold that I have uh, in the gold refrigerator that's buried in my backyard, you know, whatever. Uh, just because you've got a belief that makes you happy doesn't mean the belief is true. Uh, that is not a uh, that is not proof of the the condition of the
0: belief. Right. Uh, when you come into a conversation like this, you need to go into it with a game plan uh, to an extent. The game plan is essentially I don't know, and I'm waiting for you to convince me that your case is the case that I should believe. Mm-hmm. You are in a position where you judge evidence that are coming to you. You are not doing any heavy lifting in the conversation. You're not doing any heavy lifting in terms of like the argument of trying to prove something to be the case. That's who's presenting the evidence to you, or who presented the proposition to you's job. And, also, I think it's just important to understand that not only is your position, I don't know, but... It, I'm sorry? I didn't say anything. Oh, uh, not only is your position, I don't know, but it's What's the reason that I should believe in it? Because if the conclusion sounds great, that's wonderful. Hey, we're all going to heaven. You should believe this because we can all go to heaven when we're done and there's free ice cream and pizza. Right. Like, that's wonderful. That's universalist.
2: That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if
0: you're well, going to believe in one,
2: why well, not believe in the universalist where everybody's going <laughs> to heaven?
0: Hey, the flying spaghetti monster has a pretty good heaven as well. Yeah. Free beer volcanoes, all that stuff. Sure. But what's the method that they use to get to that conclusion? And does that method strictly point to their God? And mm-hmm. is that a good reason, that good methodology, to get to a true conclusion? Or is it just something that they're, you know, throwing out that anyone else can throw out to point to any God, really? So I don't know. And what's the method t- tends to be the best positions to get to as mm-hmm. far as taking the most unbiased approach to learning something new.
2: Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Um, okay. Cool. You, you were talking a little earlier about not getting hung up in
0: the details. Um, what yeah. A, what a,
2: uh, do you have more in that area that you want to? Uh,
0: yeah, explore. Totally. So, ahead. yeah, I got a lot. Um, a lot of times, so I, I got a hobby where I set up a table and I talk to people outside uh, about what they believe to be true. A lot of times, we talk about religious stuff. And when people get defensive, the whole goal of these conversations is not to make the conversation person, my conversation partner, defensive. But when they do get com- defensive, or when I might have, you know, here, or uh-huh. mine, <laughs> sometimes it's a sense to the subject. Yeah. Uh, what you'll get is uh, defense mechanisms that are triggered. One of them is, you know, the, the rapid expression of things that they believe or oh, like their conclusions, mm-hmm. and not so
2: much the reasoning behind them. Oh yeah, I witnessed, so that, I, say- I witnessed that firsthand, uh, on that radio show I did over at that conservative radio station. Um uh, the, oh, the, the DJ himself, or one of them, there were two DJs, one of them was an atheist and the other one wasn't. And, uh, I was talking to the atheist DJ and we were discussing a couple things, and we were apparently getting on the nerves of the guy who was not an atheist, and he's just started into a rant about, about the Bible. He quoting scripture, um, you know, saying what he knew about the Bible, telling stories. And he went on for three or four minutes, you know, like on the same breath, you know, just ranting about the different things in the Bible. And we're looking at each other right. and saying, uh, where are we going with this? I mean, is he ever going to end? And he finally did. And then he was quiet again while we talked. But I, it's strange. It weirded me, weirded me out. But anyway, go ahead. You were you were talking about your experience with that.
0: No, I mean, it's the exact same experience I had. I was talking to someone who uh believed that, you know, the Bible is inerrant, and I was asking them, like, how they came to that conclusion. And instead of explaining, like, a case for why they believe the Bible is inerrant, they just started quoting Corinthians. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't know where this is going. And when I tried to interrupt them by saying, I don't know where you're going with this, uh-huh. they just expressed the rest of the verse louder uh-huh. and then followed that up with another verse in the he, Corinthians he and then another you. verse. yeah. Basically, they were basically filibustering for, like, uh-huh. the period of time that we had. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there waiting to understand what they're trying to convey. But all I'm getting is, you know, Bible verses, Bible right. quotes. Yeah. Or I'm talking
3: sometimes so what you, you get not
0: talk, basically. basically yeah. I, I'm trying to think of something, but I can't. But I am talking, and that feels good, so I'm just going to keep yeah. talking. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. They'll fill them up with a lot of different things, though. Um, sometimes it'll be based on, like, Bible quotes. Sometimes it'll be personal and that are related to something well let me tell you let me tell you about something that happened in my childhood. I once went to church with my mom, and like, uh, okay, I don't understand how this relates to the question of how evolution isn't real, but sure, tell me about how you went <laughs> to church with your mom back in the nineteen sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh yep. but the the thing is, when someone gives you a lot of information, like when you get like that spaghetti, there's ways to approach that kind of, you know, tactic, which is like stonewalling you by filibustering you with details, where you can just wrap up all those details in one quick summary sentence and get right back to the point of the conversation. Don't engage in the details themselves. And sometimes those details will have dates in them for you to, like, talk about even more. It's like, at, at once cornered a person on face. Like, how did you determine that faith is reliable? It's like, well, it's always reliable. So I said, okay, so are you telling me every single time someone uses faith to get to a true conclusion? They would be like, well, no, 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 but it's like, uh, well, like, when I read the Bible, like, you can read the Bible, and I think in the Bible there's way more true evidence. And so, like, the Bible's really important to me. And so it's not just faith, but, you know, it's like there's things in the Bible, and, like, the best stories in the Bible, like, support women, and, like, the Bible's against slavery. And I know other people think that it's not for slavery, but you just... There's a lot of different context behind it. You're getting the word, too. Right. And they're like, but but they're hoping that you bite onto something else that isn't the main point of what they said. So a good way to wrap up a, uh, a response like that is, so if I can understand this correctly, you you use faith to get to the conclusion, and you're relating that to the Bible, but I'm just wondering, how do we get back to faith and, and determining whether or not that's a reliable way to come to a true conclusion? Right. Like, that's a good wrap-up of, I understood that you said a lot of things, and I was patiently waiting for you to be done. But let's get back to the focus of the conversation, which is you trying to convince me that your methods is reliable and not trying to take any other tangents down, any of the details that you present to me, whether they're true or not. I'm not biting. I just want to know whether or not this main reason that you presented as yeah. the crux of well, your your belief system yeah. is reliable or not.
2: Well, did he go off on another tangent? Another?
0: Oh, for the...
2: For the, so for, the Corinthians guy, yeah.
0: Yeah, for the Corinthians guy, the guy who was just quoting Corinthians at me, I just said, listen, I understand that you believe this very much. I want to know what that verse means to you rather than just, like, the quote. Like, what does it speak to your heart? I say that sometimes for people who are really sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what does this verse speak to your soul? I want to know uh-huh. that. And then uh-huh. I'll say that sometimes just to, like, get the edge way in and continue having the conversation. But really what it does is just get them to, like, summarize the point and get back to the topic of, well, this is what this first means to me. Yeah. Now they're thinking. Now they're thinking about what they're saying rather than just saying things. Now we can we can have a better conversation from there on out. Yeah. What happened in your conversation with the radio guy?
2: Well, he, uh, he pretty much, after he got through with his rant, he was just pretty much silent for the rest of the show. Uh, there was only, I mean, the whole show was no more than like 20 minutes. Uh, and he didn't do it. He didn't do that until like, 12 minutes into the show so the last five minutes he was just sitting there looking at us and he about that's about the only thing he said in the show because he never did really have anything uh of value to add to the conversation so he just i guess he figured he wasn't holding up his end and he needed to quote some bible at us
0: mm. what do you think you could have done differently me Yeah.
2: Well, after hearing what you said, I could ask him what, is the, what the verses meant to him. But at the time, I was, I was kind of in shock. I, I looked at the other—you know—it was his show. The other DJ, the atheist, and uh, I said, um, "Well, moving on." And we talked about something else. But I—I uh, I mean, how do you how do you address something like that? I, I mean, now I have a tactic, but then I didn't. So I right. Moved on. Right.
0: I think you handled that pretty well. I got to be honest
2: with yeah. you. Uh, yeah, I, I think
0: there's something. That,
2: I didn't try to take him to task or anything. Over, he just moved on.
0: Do we got more time to go into another example of things that we should watch out for when you're talking to sure, like? Sure, we've theists? got
2: about five minutes before the bottom of the hour. Go ahead.
0: Okay, I think we can knock this one out pretty quickly. Okay. Uh, one of them is deals with like body language. It's when your theist person that you're talking to gets angry at you for not understanding what they're saying or not believing it as quickly or not acknowledging it. For not acknowledging it, for not uh-huh. not answering their ultimatum questions, not right. following their bad reasoning. They, yeah, and not following uh, the script.
2: They, a lot of times they'll come with a script.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. When you break script on a theist, uh-huh. sometimes they don't take it well. Even mm. when you use street epistemology, they might take it really ups- they might get upset. Yeah. But yeah. being upset doesn't mean that they're right. And that's one of the major things that you need to realize. Yeah. So you're totally fine if the person gets upset. Don't get upset with them. Better yet, also, maintain your calm and just understand that, listen, if they're getting upset, that's on them. Uh, you're not going to follow along with that. You have the means of controlling the conversation so it doesn't turn into two people arguing with each other. Mm-hmm. And you look better, if this isn't particularly like in a formatted or like a oh, production sure. of some sort, yeah. being the calm one and being allowing the theist being the one that's angry. Yeah. Um, what do you think,
2: no, I think it's a good idea to do that. You don't want to come off as unreasonable, especially as unreasonable. If they're taking an unreasonable stance, like denying the burden of proof or trying to evade right. it or pass it, then you, you certainly don't want to um, step into that trap. You want to, uh, you know, uh, address it as logically as you can and let them know why they can't do that.
0: Exactly. But I also in a think calm, that reasonable you- voice. Right. When you get heated, or if they try to get you heated, your responses that you give might be a little bit different, or you might not think as well, or you might be a little bit more reactionary in terms of your responses. Right. By getting, by maintaining a calm point of view and just being calm and relaxed, you look better, you think better, and you present yourself in a better way that other people can say, well, this person seems really relaxed, the other person's really upset. Maybe there's something to the calm guy. Maybe I can listen to him a little bit more. Yeah. yeah, you're getting yelled at, but remember that the the way that you conduct yourself in terms of body language mm-hmm. has a really big way of of expressing how confident you are in your position. And if you are willing to be corrected and like acknowledge when you're wrong, then you're totally fine. You don't have to, you don't ever have to get upset. So the person who's getting upset. Maybe it's because, you know, his illusionary world is breaking down. And there's something that you can pick apart there. Mm-hmm. But for you, if you, hey, by the way, if I presented to you like a god that actually existed, you'd be like, oh crap, I didn't even know that was a thing. You should have told me that earlier. Let's the end on this. You would be totally fine with it. It wasn't yeah. completely confident. And
2: cause then, you then would we, would both, you. we would both go off and get our, our uh, Nobel Prize. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. And then togas or whatever. We were happy you yeah, have to get to uh-huh. that party. Yeah. But yeah. Truth doesn't necessarily have to have ego associated with it. So, like, if you get shown something else that's actually true, you can be you can be calm and accept that as well. So the person who gets angry are the ones that may be more convinced that they believe in a lie, or at least that's the way it could seem to an right. Well, all that's, right, that's, that's also,
2: uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, because a lot of times the Christians point to the atheists and say, why are you guys always so angry? Well, because we found out we've been t- t- lied to all our life. I mean... Uh, what wouldn't make you angry if you found, if you were like a seven-year-old kid and found out that your, your parents had told you a lie about Mm. Santa Claus? Well, this is a hundred times worse. It's not only Mm. your parents, it's the news people, it's the cop on the corner, it's the weatherman, it's the, all the senators and, and the president of the United States all telling you stuff that you find out is wrong and, um, doesn't, doesn't add up and not logically sound. So you see through it. And then you're angry, and then the first thing happens is the Christian points to you and says, why are you angry? Cause they don't understand it. They haven't been there.
0: (laughs) Right. You know, one thing my mom always told me is that you gotta be ready for the real world. You gotta be ready for the real world. This, Uh or that. You're not, you're a kid. You're not an adult yet. Yeah. So then I became an adult, realized I was being lied to with religion. And I present that to her and she's like, no, 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 that's real. I'm like, whoa, time out. So real world, (laughs) most people will believe in imaginary friends. Uh Am I the only adult (laughs) here? What happened?
3: Yeah.
2: Is she still a believer?
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, uh, that's a topic for another
2: day. Yeah, okay. Well, we're getting down toward the bottom of the hour, so let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, this is uh, We're going to play a song. This is Shelley Siegel, and the name of the song is Saved. And we'll be back after that, after that in a short break. So, see you in about five. Mm-hmm.
1: Say that I need to be safe. Say with me, the dip got his way.
0: Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865 5937 That's 865 5937 And now back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the
3: best.
2: And we're back. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour, uh, live here in Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> This is WOZO Radio 103.9 LPFM live here in Knoxville, which I just said. Today's Wednesday, May 9th, 2018. And, uh, we said we were going to talk about the free thought groups that you can join here in Knoxville. So let's get into that real quick. First, there's the Atheist Society in Knoxville founded in 2002. We're in our 15th year. I guess we're 16th year now. ASK has over 800 members and you can find us online at org, or you can go directly to meetup.com and search for Knoxville Atheist. matter of fact, you can go to Google and type Knoxville Atheist and find us. It's just that simple. And if you don't live in Knoxville, you should still go to Meetup and search for an atheist group in your town. If you don't find one, start one. Also, you can join Ask, A-S-K, Atheist Society of Knoxville, in person at our weekly Meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at Black Horse Pub uh, in Bearden, it's on Kingston Pike, um, where we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everybody's welcome. That is, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thank you, atheist experience. Another free thought group here in Knoxville are the eighth. I'm sorry, the Rationalists of East Tennessee. R.E.T. has been around for more than 20 years. They have bi-weekly presentations and discussions on the Pellissippi campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building. Go to Rationalist.org and click on Upcoming Events. There's also the Sunday Assembly, uh, a group which started in England and in just a few years has spread around the world. It's a no god church setting for those uh no God church setting there you go for those who have uh, no longer believe in Gods but still like the fellowship of a church type gathering. They only meet once a month, however, in Knoxville, and that's on the fourth Sunday down in the international building by the fairgrounds. I'm sorry, the world's fairgrounds. Then there's a the secular student Alliance which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free thinking high school or college student who would like to be involved in the freethought movement, or who would just like to find other freethinkers to hang with. Everybody needs like-minded friends, and atheists are no different. That's Secular Student Alliance. Earlier, we talked about the Atheist Call-In TV show. It's called Freethought Forum, and you can see it every Wednesday between 6.30 and 7.30 on Comcast Channel 12 or Chowder Channel 192. Or you can watch it streaming online at ctvknox.org. You can also find archives of some of their shows on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Just go to YouTube and search for Freethought Forum Knoxville. Also, if you're interested in getting involved with the TV show or the radio show, just come to an Ask or RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. And back to our topic. Um, where did we want to pick up there, Ty? Uh, one bit.
0: Our our topic this week is tips for talking with theists. and we went over some classic things to avoid when talking with PS, such as accepting the burden of proof, or what else did we talk about? Um, getting upset or getting upset when your you know interview partner gets upset, or other things that you should just generally avoid when yeah. talking to someone.
2: How to handle when rants? Falling-
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> falling for rants basically okay. when you're trying to. Things to avoid when you're trying to let the person reconsider their position mm-hmm. and not try to accept any additional work that you don't necessarily have to do. Right. It also includes something into details that the guy throws at you in a, in a three-minute rant about Corinthians or the Bible or whatever. Just stay on topic and summarize whatever they're saying and get right back to the topic of, I don't know this. What's your methodology that you use to get to this position right. of knowledge that you probably right. want? Mm-hmm. And is that path reliable? And if not, then I'm back to why I don't know. But if yeah. it is, I want to know about it. Basically,
2: it. we're not convinced. Right. Yep. So
0: you had brought up something that I was interested in. So I would say that this next tip is basically uh, don't go, don't stoop to someone else's level. Don't stoop to a, a, a theist's level. But anyway, they can apply to anybody. You want to talk about that?
2: Oh, sure. Go for it. Or do you want me to leave? You, <laughs> you go for it. You just it. Well, um, recently I had a relative who was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, this happened, I don't know, a couple months ago. And she's been going through, through the hospital and to the doctor getting her chemotherapy and, and uh, x-rays and just all of the the many things you have to go through if you have cancer these days. Uh, and today she got the news that on her last, uh, scan that she was now cancer free. Which is wonderful news and, and of course good news spread quick and my, my niece called me and told me. And, uh, I called her and congratulated her and talked to her a little while. But then here's my, my cousin from West Tennessee saying, you know, getting on there and say, thank you Jesus, thank you. Don't tell me God doesn't work, you know, miracles in our lives. And I know the comment was sent directly to me because I'm the only one who may have even come close to telling her something like that. But anyway, it was, it was a, on her page, posting to the family, the rest of the family, my extended family is pretty large. And everybody was saying amen and right on and all this stuff. Not a single word about science or the doctor or anything. Was all thank you Jesus, and um, I did. I wanted to weigh in and say, you know, where was God when she got cancer? You know, how did how did she get cancer with God looking out for and and performing miracles every day? Um, You know, that type of thing. Matter of fact, my relative uh, who had the cancer's husband died just before she got cancer. So, I mean, where was God then? Nobody even wanted to talk about that. Nobody even wanted to direct the conversation in any direction that wasn't good for God.
0: Just to highlight, you didn't start that conversation. You're just noticing that no one was talking about that. Right, right.
2: That's it. So that's where it went. And I I wanted to come back, but I didn't because, you know, because of her tactic of posting it for the entire family, knowing that I wouldn't jump in and start you know, bad-mouthing God when, uh, you know, everybody in the family was You'll see this on social media
0: a lot. Huh? You'll see this on social media a lot. I yeah. think it's very important that yeah. people know this. Like, when you're talking to someone on social media, it always feels like you're doing it in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. So, like, when someone's talking to, like, their friends, but you're one of the friends, and they're broadcasting from their Facebook page, it sounds as if even though they're addressing you, it's addressing you, but also in a room full of other people who are also listening. Right. So there's a weight limit that you feel pressure to respond to mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be the best format for you to do so, particularly when you have your own audience. Right. So what I would suggest in situations like this is when people feel pressure to get in like an inner argument with someone, usually mm-hmm. about a matter of faith,
3: yeah.
0: uh, where you know you're you're texting back and forth and. You, maybe never really getting anywhere and you're doing it at the detriment of everyone in your family or everyone in your friends list watching this, you know, fallout occur.
3: Yeah.
0: You might be better off to just express the point of view that you wanted to do in your own page, in yeah. your own format, to your own friends and family, mm-hmm. and just say, Hey, thank you, science, for saving my sister in law and you mm-hmm. can broadcast to the same amount of friends, even to the lady who had her own post that yeah. you feel was directed to you.
3: Yeah. And if you do yeah
0: you do yeah. It positively and if she feels the urge to come to your page and start an argument with you that's on her yeah and it's no longer on you you know you're not the bad atheist getting through her page and trying to like throw rain on a party with a lady who just got rid of cancer and by the way i'm really happy for you yeah but thanks if you if you have if you have your own announcement and you have your own turn the matter settled on your end you got your expression pointed out and you don't have to speak to her level
2: right and uh no, it's really great news, and I'm really happy for. Her. And uh, it was really a surprise because you know we've had so many bad, so much bad news for so long that th- right. this was really a turnaround.
0: It's a good thing. Yeah, I like that stuff. Good story all around, and mm-hmm. I think a lot. Of, I think it's really cool that it was the social networking. I think social networking has been like this new aspect of. Of uh, how do you put it? Communication. Like when I got my mom on the internet, uh-huh. there's like a code of conduct that I seem to have been pretty oh, yeah. to that I never really had a chance to like write down anywhere. It's just, mom, when you text me, you're doing it too much or like, mom, when you text me, your bubbles are way too long. Like you just send like a couple of sentences at a time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to write three paragraphs and things right. like that. Mm-hmm. Like there are just things that we've understood as we've gotten to it, like how to respond, what to ignore, what to avoid as a trap, as an ad, mm-hmm. as a friend that really is coming to use as something that's really sentimental to, Oh, this text means this guy's not even paying attention. Wow. Uh, because of that, I feel like, and particularly because everyone's coming at this at different levels of, you know, awareness of what this conduct is, having these conversations where you're having a, the- a theistic, non-theistic debate is not particularly good as a format over social media, particularly with a lot of other people watching. Yeah. Because one, in a debate format, it's a debate format. In a debate format, the two people who are on those pedestals they're not going to have their minds changed by each other because they're not talking to each other. They're talking to an audience. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to convince people in the audience that they're right. And even though they're in close proximity to each other, they're really talking past each other. And the same thing happens in social media when you have, like, these really public dialogues. Uh, whether people realize it or not, when they're arguing with each other in a public forum, they're not so much twinning each other. And it's very hard for them to admit that they're wrong. So even at the detriment of... You know, realizing that they could be mistaken, they're gonna. If you show them something that's wrong, they're gonna fold, double down on it, and be like, "No, I'm not. You're wrong. And <laughs> your mom is silly. <laughs> Don't call my mom silly." <laughs> and these things spiral out of control so quickly. So, if you're gonna have these conversations, ideally have it face to face if you can, yep. so that it means something. Yeah, to you. that won't have that won't happen. Body
2: we live too far apart, and we're not going to meet <laughs> each other.
0: Then, Sometimes it's not even worth it. Let them have yeah. whatever they want. Yeah,
2: right. <laughs> well, I have, but I haven't talked to, to this particular cousin for like 40 years, and she only recently oh, wow. friended me. So I'm trying to ple- be polite, but she knows where I stand. And Good. you know, so we'll just go on from here. I may we may have to relapse back into our private, our prior silence. Who knows?
0: Oh, or if you really want to, uh, don't have these kinds of conversations in public forums. You know, you can send an email, you can send a direct text, you can send a direct message, Mm -hmm. and just be like, "Hey, listen, this is where I'm at. Um, What do you think on this?" Yeah, well, I mean, mean, uh, when she
2: when she friended me, Uh, we're getting into this too way too much, I think. But I wanted to get this out. When she friended me, uh, I accepted her friendship, and she immediately i m'd me a picture of Jesus loves me. Uh, I mean.
3: (laughs) And then
2: she sent me another one. I mean, like, the next day. So I knew where this was going. Anyway, if you're out there and you'd like to join our conversation, you can call on the phone line at 865-333-5937. That's Knoxville Local, 333-5937.
0: You should, you should have sent her back um, the MP3 for Big Butter Jesus. Oh, and Yeah. Just, <laughs> And then ignore yeah. and then walk away. Well,
2: I sent her I her a link That's to my out. book, you know, atheist uh,
0: okay.
2: uh, atheist. What's it all about? And she she said sarcastically, "Well, I hope it makes you a lot of money, you know. So uh, nothing can could come from it, you know, nothing good will." Yeah. Anyway, Say so
0: butter
2: Jesus, yeah. butter
0: Jesus, and you email, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Do it before something happens. It's mm-hmm. so, that's the perfect response every single time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was thinking um, uh, something that I noticed that uh, people get caught up on as another trick is um, equating standards of evidence. And what I mean by that is, there's a really cool quote. I think it was given by Carl Sagan or Charles Dawkins. I'm not sure, but his uh-huh. quote is "Extraordinary claims require." You mean Richard evidence. Dawkins? Have you heard of Richard Dawkins. There we go. Have you heard of that before? Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence.
3: Yeah,
2: I think uh, I think that's even earlier than Carl Sagan. Carl sa- said it back in the '80s, I believe '70s, '80s, and uh, he was yeah. he's been quoted with it for a long time now. But I think it was he was quoting somebody even earlier. But anyway, it's it's on part of the ages now, and and it's it's uh, a good meme. Extraordinary evidence, I mean, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. In other words, if you're claiming you got a puppy at home, no big deal. If you're claiming Mm -hmm. you have a pet dragon, you better have some extraordinary evidence to prove that.
0: Well, what if I had a picture of a puppy? Would you believe I have a puppy? Like, picture of me and the puppy together. Yes. Would you believe I have been? That
2: wouldn't be very extraordinary, but people have puppies. I mean, a lot of people have puppies. I've had puppies myself. So if you said you and, it wouldn't cost me anything if I believed it. You know, well, what would pretty, I lose by believing that you have a puppy and you right. don't? You know, no big deal.
0: It's pretty ordinary evidence for an ordinary claim, right? right? Because right. everybody has something mm-hmm. But if I had a picture of a purple dragon, and, it's, and I just, you know, it's the exact same picture, it's just being the same pose, but mm-hmm. it's just with a purple dragon now. Would you believe I have a purple dragon?
2: Not in the age of Photoshop. Nope.
0: <laughs> oh, well, that's messed up because you believe me when I had the picture of the puppy, what's different?
2: Well, that's not extraordinary evidence, especially when you can man- manipulate photos these days. And dragons have never been proven to exist. I mean, at all. They're like fairies and uh and Bigfoot. You know, show me. Uh, show the scientists first, and then I'll, maybe I'll, I'll agree with you if if some uh, scientist wins the Nobel Prize for discovering evidence that points that Bigfoot is real or dragons. You know, and then and then you say you have one. I'd be more inclined to believe it.
0: I'd have to go through a lot more trouble to convince you by getting more evidence from scientists and, like, biologists. Right.
2: That would be extraordinary mm -hmm. evidence. And I I might be more... And then I'd be able to to
0: convince you. So you're not saying you wouldn't be convinced. You're just saying you require extraordinary evidence for an extraordinary claim. Right. And I think the same could be said for people who, who equate history books or, like, mundane events in history with historical things that occurred in the Bible. So uh, what I mean by that is not so much like, hey, Paul wrote a boat, you know, because like people wrote in boats back then, that's fine. Or like, you know, Egyptians ate rice, or whatever. You know, like those but, are all mundane things. It's the question of when someone tries to equate a history book, like, hey, you believe in this history book about the Civil War? Why don't you believe in the things that are told in the Bible? What they're really saying is not the mundane things in the Bible. They're talking more about the supernatural right, things, right?
2: The, the, the miracles went, and, the, and the miracle beings, and the talking donkey and the, the animals, talking snake, yeah. You know, and, and, right, and, the and, and life splitting prophecy, the sea. The giant,
0: super, uh-huh. the supernatural deity that exists that knows all things and is all right. powerful and is
2: uh-huh. and and Demons devil. and angels right. and devils and curses and Souls. just all kinds of stuff. Souls, right?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to believe those things, I'm going to need a lot more evidence than just a historical text. Right. And that's the distinction. It's and, not so much that.
2: And text okay, itself, okay. A text by itself, it, whether it's historical or not, is in no way capable of, of supporting a supernatural claim. There's not a single historian on this planet who would look at something and say, you know, uh, Merlin, I mean, King, uh, what was it, King Richard, let's say, uh, no, King Arthur, uh, told Merlin to cast a spell and change his his uh, his uh, horse into a, a dragon, and he did it. Okay. And, you know, from a, a historical document, look at that and say, "Oh, well, magicians back then could change horses into dragons." There's not a single historian on this planet that would accept that as a, as right. a, evidence for that a magical event.
0: Right, more or less. I mean, exactly. Um, also. You have to realize that, like, when there is a book that says, you know, a ship war, a war occurred between two countries, we have other ways to verify that right. evidence right. other mm-hmm. than just that book. We have transcripts of, like, the people who are on the ships. We have mm-hmm. uh, uh, extensive bursary records of, you know, we we have to buy this much lumber to build this ship. We may have casualty records. We mm-hmm. may have, right. like people who left things in the sand that, that, of that war that took place so that we can have like an archaeological record of what was going on. Right. We have ways to back up mundane evidence or mundane claims. So even as a historical book, like the book itself, is really in collaboration with a bunch of other means of supporting that narrative. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a holy text that supports a holy claim, typically the only evidence for that claim is just that one person thing in that one book. And there could be like, you know, personal feelings, there could be, hey, well, it made me feel good, or hey, when I prayed through it, this good thing happened. Again, these are details that you don't want to get caught up in. The the evidence that present that was presented to you is this book says that this is true, therefore it's true, because it's like this other book that says these other things are true. But the difference between this book and the book they're pointing at is that one has something that's supernatural in it and the other one doesn't. And that's right. a big claim. Right. For supernatural things, you need super you need a, for extraordinary claims, you need extraordinary evidence. Right. And that should be like one of your sticking points if you're ever presented with that kind of question. Right. Wrap up whatever this thing, whatever details are giving, and get back to the point of I'm gonna need more evidence than the fact that the book says it for me to believe this particular claim. And I'm willing to believe it. I'm willing to change my mind on the concept or at least come to your side of the argument but I need more evidence than just that. What else do you have?
2: Really- that brings us to David Hume on miracles. Uh, David Hume was a, a philosopher that lived back in 17, the late 1700s, and he tells us that miracle claims, period, are not credible. He says, one, the laws of nature are immutable, and miracles would be exceptions to those laws. You can't change the laws of nature or, or have an exception to the law of nature. And two, people have been known to lie for gain or to promote a personal agenda. So personal testimony is often mistaken or intentionally wrong. And three, for the two reasons above, to accept a miracle claim, you would have to believe that it is more likely that the laws of nature were actually broken than that the person describing the miracle was mistaken, deceived, or lying. That's David Hume right. in, a, in, a mur- in a nutshell. Uh, I mean... We have no reason to believe that any of the miracles or supernatural beings of the Bible or any other holy book, for that matter, uh, actually existed or happened. And I mean, it would it would break the laws of nature for some of these things to have actually happened. So, you know, we would have to have more than just text on a page and t- to take right. it as, as, uh, as quote gospel end quote.
0: And the weird thing is I can't think of, and you can ask this question even other Christians, I can't think of anything more extraordinary than the existence of uh of a god. You know? Like you can ask someone, well what's more extraordinary than your God? Nothing's more extraordinary. Mm-hmm. What's more awesome than, you know, God? Nothing. If that's the case, is there even enough evidence to come to that kind of conclusion? If the most extraordinary thing imaginable barely has any evidence to support it. You know, right. like that's a very high standard to meet, and it's clearly not being met. So mm-hmm. maybe that belief isn't warranted. Like that, in mm-hmm. its own right, should be the indication of maybe if you're listening to this, do you have enough evidence to believe in this God? And if so, then how is it? How how great is this God if you are sitting on this mountain of evidence that no one else seems to be able to have access right. to? Right. And that well, way you have to you you, have t- access- you
2: tell me that you've got to have faith to believe it. I'm sorry, yeah, I don't have faith. You
0: have access to it. Yeah. If you have access to this pile of evidence, please share it or run straight yeah. to your noble yeah. office and, reward uh, return center and, and, just, and cash in your million dollar prize.
2: Yeah. And if they actually say that you've got to have faith to believe it, what they're basically saying is you need to believe it before you can believe it. Or they're right. saying that, uh, I don't you have, have real evidence before. because I'm if I had real evidence, I'd show you, um, because mm-hmm. I have, I say that you got to have faith it means you don't have evidence. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cop out.
0: Right, it's not good. Faith has never been a really good way to come to any kind of true conclusion. No, not only that, but
2: how how is it that um, people all over the world follow their faith to different religions? If if faith leads you to the correct thing, Uh, they would all lead you to the same religion, wouldn't it? But no, right? You know, we have ten thousand different religions on the world today, Uh, and have have, had ten thousand in our history as well.
0: Yeah, one of the main goals that I have when I'm talking to people, because I know that I could be talking to a Muslim at one moment and then, you know, a, a Mormon the next, uh, a Doe Witness to that, the commonality that I've seen is that they use faith to come to their conclusions. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the foundational question, once I hit that foundation, the question is: Is faith a reliable way to come to a true conclusion? And I want to see what the responses are because I don't want to come into the conversation biased. I'm currently unconvinced that it's not a reliable way, but I'm open right. to it. But I mm-hmm. haven't heard any good evidence for it. And I think that's a good target for most people who are on the fence who will want to have these conversations against you. Have the person who's believing their God get to their faith position, like the foundation that they have, get them to the faith question, or get into the faith position, and then ask them, is faith reliable, and how can it be reliable? And if they can demonstrate why, then please call them, show and let us know. But otherwise... Maybe they don't have a good basis if their foundation is based on faith.
2: Right. They certainly don't have extraordinary evidence, whether they have any right. evidence at all.
0: I got five minutes, one last thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. Alright, knowing when to walk away from a conversation is incredibly important that I feel like a lot of atheists may not necessarily know because as much as it's easy to get your uh, interview partner frustrated during the conversation, you can also tire them out, making them think about things they've never thought about their entire lives. And you have to realize that you can't make them change their mind. They, can, they are the only ones that can change their mind, and it may not happen in one quick conversation. It may not happen in two or three. You have to realize that you have to set up very realistic goals in the conversation. Sometimes it's just give them the opportunity to have these questions in their mind, but they don't necessarily have to be forced to answer them on the spot. Give them time to process the information, that the the responses that they gave you. Give them time to, like, get some good feedback from you. Give them time to, like, reprocess this again. And I think if they genuinely are interested in learning a true thing, they're going to come to a completely different mind state after a while. But that takes time, and you need to know when to disengage from your sessions or your talks with them rather than continuing the conversation more and more again. Because by driving them to a wall or a corner and forcing them to repeatedly ask questions, you might actually trigger defense mechanisms right. that make them more adherent to the faith than actually make them walk away from
2: it. Right. And you've got to realize that you may or may not, you probably will not be there when they finally, when it finally hits them that it's all uh, BS. Uh right. pro- probably won't be there. So what you're doing is planting seeds, you know, and they'll, when they get enough seeds, they'll have a bush and, It'll be the bush of reason, and it'll take them uh, to
0: the rest of the way. <laughs> it will right. bear fruit. You're like laying out, you're, you, can, you can best lay out some breadcrumbs, but you can't drag them along right. the way. So right. mm-hmm. I, I I got one guy that I talked to that one guy from my very first like recording named uh, Aaron, one of my neighbors. He converted to an atheist mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. Right. He was a guy who believed that God existed in our consciousness as a thinking agent. But now... He doesn't believe in any gods whatsoever, and I wasn't around him when he made that change. I was just a matter of three different conversations that I had with him. And then, like, a couple of months later, he came to me. like, yeah, so, yeah, I think atheism, yeah, no one understands this. And I'm like, wait, hold on, you're an atheist. Because <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. right.
0: you never yeah. used that word when we were talking. Yeah. You didn't even know what it was defined as, where yeah. you, you're coming from. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 I was thinking about what you said.
2: He's been doing some studying, Yeah, apparently.
0: Yeah. I think that's good. So what you do does have an impact, mm-hmm. and I think it's good to have these conversations, and I think it's really important to avoid the trapfalls of, like, getting the burner crew shifted on you, falling into details, worrying when your IP gets angry and, like, falling into the trap of you getting angry, too, uh, lowering stooping to their level if they get kinda rude on you, uh avoiding talking about faith as their foundation and not knowing when to end the conversation. I think if you do all those things or aware of all those things, you have better conversations and have better results as as a consequence.
2: Yeah. Sounds right. Works for me. And we're getting to the top of the hour. I guess I'll go ahead and. Do you have any last words? Or I'll, I'll just go. Go ahead. If you got any last words, we got thirty seconds.
0: I don't have any last words.
2: Okay, <laughs> and this is daughter five, and we got Wombat on the line. We'll be leaving you until next week, you know, seven o'clock on Wednesday. We're here on this station every week, one hundred three point nine LPFM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Remember, don't sweat hell. According to religions, everybody's going to some other religion's hell. So. Live this life the best way you can and make it worth it. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
3: Bye bye. Bye!